out there in podcast land. You've switched it out once again to Combat Sports with Rhino, episode 186. Holy smokes. Our guest a little bit later on going 10 rounds with Rhino, 6-1, super hot prospect of the LFA, 125-pound flyweight. Kevin Little Dragon Fernandez is going to join us. It is awesome. Really, really fun guy to talk to. Can't wait for you guys to check that one out. So let's get into our intro and our schedule is as follows. We are going to have, well, first of all, it was another jam-packed weekend of combat sports on the old fighting landscape. Uh, from Friday, we're going to have our results, or some limited results, from the PFL playoffs. The results from the Nate Diaz, Jay Paul fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, a full UFC Nashville recap, our drop of the night. Picks for UFC Vegas 78, some awesome Q&A with some members of the Rhino Gang, and then the aforementioned rising LFA star, 125 pounds, Kevin Little Dragon Fernandez is the latest fighter to go 10 rounds of Rhino. So, without further ado, APB and everyone else across the country, because it's been hot as fuck as we know. So let's all get our swim trunks and our flippy floppies on, and let's dive right in. So the PFL playoffs are on ESPN from Friday night. Uh, we're going to go ahead and give a shout-out to our homie uh, Thad Gene, Rhino Gang Gang Gang, for his win over Ali Omar with the uh, first-round um, TKO, which was awesome. And then let's get into the first playoff um, one that I have recorded here, which was Gabriel Braga beating Chris Wade in a very close split decision. I watched this fight super back and forth, really, really uh, entertaining, fun fight, 145 pounds. But Gabriel Braga gets split decision over Chris Wade out of New York. And then Rhino Gang member Ty Flores had a, a very tough outing against Josh Silvera. Josh threw a bunch of knees up against the cage, really hurt Ty. Got the TKO in the first round for Silvera, so he moves on. And then 145 pounds, very surprising to me anyway. Bubba Jenkins lost. He lost to Jesus Pinedo uh, with TKO in the second round due to punches. So that's our kind of, you know, uh, revised, condensed version of the PFL playoffs from Friday. As far as the big boxing match from last night, we had our homie representing MMA, Nate Diaz, going against Jake Paul. Jake Paul coming off of his first career loss against Tommy Fury a few months back. So, APB, you know, you watched more of this than I did. But can I give the overall sense that Nate got pretty roughed up early, but then as the fight wore on, he had more and more moments of connection um, yeah. and of doing a good job against Jake. Jake did have the knockdown in the in the middle rounds, that, but Nate was able to get up and continue to, to work. And then as the fight was on later, um, it was much closer. Does that sound about right? Yeah, yeah. And Jake was definitely getting tighter as the fight went on but he still like kept going i mean he's he's tough i mean he's definitely even though you know he's kind of a dork um he's proven himself to be a pretty good boxer and he did also at the end offer nate an mma fight for 10 million dollars so that and nate did accept so that'll be interesting to see you know him doing mma against nate that will be that'll be cool nate 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 will submit him at some point. I don't know if it's going to be the first round, the second round, or the third, or whatever, but I think Nate's going to submit Jake Paul, easy peasy, lemon squeezy, whenever he decides to pull the trigger on that. But, yeah, you know, give a shout-out to, you know, I don't like talking about the Paul brothers particularly, as everybody knows, (laughs) but, you know, it it is what it is, and, you know, he brought Nate Diaz in, and they put on a big event, and a lot of people were really interested in it. It was good. I, I enjoyed it. Well, good. So, you know, like I said, that's the that's the only silver lining can come from this YouTuber, influencer, bullshit, boxing stuff is that it brings more people in because there was real fighters on the undercard. You know what I mean? Yeah, so the undercard it brings more great. people to the sport, um, which, you know, is only good for everybody in the end. So I'll, I'll take that 
um, for what it's worth, for sure. So, yes, Jake Paul gets the unanimous decision over 10 rounds over Nate Diaz. All right. Let's get into the meat of the matter. UFC Nashville. Our first fight was Asu Amabayev and Ode, or, yeah, Ode Osborne. Um, the first round, uh, I don't know, a couple overhands from Amalayev. I'm, I'm saying his name wrong. Almabayev <laughs> Osborne. Um, he had a late Peruvian necktie attempt, which was fun because you don't see the Peruvian necktie very often. And then the second round, an inside trip uh, for Asu takes his bag of Ode Osborne, got the rear naked choke on, and really had a nice squeeze for a little fella at 125. You can see how strong he was. So he got the rear naked choke in the second round over um, Ode Osborne at. Oh, I, love, I I wrote the time down, but it's really bad. So we'll just call the second round. Let's see. All right. Moving into 145 pounds, we had Sean Woodson versus Dennis um, Bazooka. I'm just going to call him Bazooka because it sounds cooler and it's close. So Dennis Bazooka and Sean Woodson. And this was a fun fight. Sean yeah. Woodson is really entertaining. And he's I know he's got an awkward look to him. And I know he fights kind of in his own unique way. But, man, he is fun to watch. The calf kicks, the teeps, the jabs. Dennis would come in and throw a couple of hard shots and then push Sean against the cage. And they would kind of, you know, do si around and kind of change in position and throw knees to the body and knees to the legs and um, inside uppercuts. It was a really fun back-and-forth fight. Sean Woodson definitely got the better of Dennis throughout that one. He got the clear-cut UD in that one. But, again, very fun fight. I really enjoyed it. All right. Moving into our third fight with two guys I do not care for personality-wise. But, like, <laughs> as far as their ability on the ground, really, really entertaining. Um, Cody Durden and Jake Hadley went in there last night, and they had a really fun grapple-heavy matchup. They were both, you know, they would land a little bit on the feet, but then somebody would take somebody down, and then they would reverse it. And then, you know, Jake Hadley had Cody really bad in an arm bar, but Cody was able to kind of... I don't know, dig deep and work his way through and reverse it. And then, you know, Jake Hadley would then reverse him. Jake had a really nasty cut on him from an early inside elbow they had to contend with for that to fight. But, like, again, really, really fun fight, um, you know, back and forth. Cody Durden got the UD in that one, giving Jake Hadley his first loss. Uh, again, really, really entertaining fight and almost completely on the ground, which – we have a question about it a little later on APB, and I really want to make sure I'm stressing that to all the listeners who don't normally listen. I, I love MMA, and I've really grown on the grappling aspect of it, and that was a very fun grapple-heavy fight. We'll talk about another one in that same vein later. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get into J uh, Damon Jackson versus Billy Q. Uh, 145 pounds. Damon Jackson came out great, dude. He's known as a jiu-jitsu guy. Um, he was really throwing punches all over the place, really landing on Billy Q., uh, there was a late body kick. You know, it, it was a fun first round. The second round, Billy started to string more together. And then uh, Damon got a takedown. So I wasn't sure where the second round was going to go to. And then Billy really started pushing the pace um, in the third. A crazy front kick from, from David Jackson really, you know, seemed to kind of rock Billy for a minute. But again, it was a very, very close second and third round. Then the judges ended up giving it to Billy Q. I actually scored it for Damon two rounds to one. But again, I've got no problem with Billy Q winning that fight. Super, super close. All right. Let's move into 170 pounds. We have Jeremiah Wells versus Carlson Harris. This was crazy because Jeremiah looked like a world beater at first, dude. Like he had a he had a choke on for a while in the first round. He was so fast uh, with his takedowns, with his explosive shots and everything else. And then he, he tried a Dars to a Ninja choke attempt. Really fun. And the, the second was kind of boring, right? And then, dude, 
they go down again in the third, and Carlson put an anaconda choke on. I'm thinking, okay, Jeremiah looks good, and you know, both Dominic and Michael's like, oh, it's not locked in, it's not locked in, and like. Jeremiah Wells is such a put together young man. He is super muscular. I'm like, dude, his, with how strong his neck is and shoulders, I'm like, he's fine. And then before you know it, he is out. Carlson Harris put Wells to sleep, dude. Um, in the third round with that Anaconda choke, really, really impressive stuff for uh, Carlson Harris in that one. All right, moving into our sixth fight with Honey Bar Solos versus Kyler Phillips. I haven't seen Kyler Phillips in a long time. I think he was off. Uh, he was suspended for a while. Then he had his injuries, you know, to contend with. But yeah. Kyler Phillips a few years ago was like a really hot prospect um, at 135. And Bar Barsolos is a stud at 135. Very, very strong grappler. Has proven he can hit really hard. Kyler Phillips did a great job in this fight. He was really on his bike, moving, uh, throwing nice kicks. Excellent one-two. A couple of his one-twos really hit clean and hurt Hany Barsolos for sure. Kyler even mixed in some takedowns. Again, I thought it was a really, really fun, good, close fight. Kyler Phillips got the UD in that one, and I thought that was the right call and the right move. But a uh, great win for Kyler Phillips coming back at 135. All right. This next one, APB, did not go the way I anticipated, dude. I thought Ignacio Bahamondes, being the super tall, awesome kickboxer mm-hmm. that he is, was going to stay at range, yeah. throw those teeps, jabs, and just stand a Ludovic Klein, you know, out of range for Ludovic to hit him back. Not the case. A big <laughs> shot hurt. Ignacio early. Ludovic takes him down, throws some nice hard ground and pound. When they did get up, Ludovic was the one landing more shots, dude. Ignacio landed some knees here and there, right? But Ludovic would just take him down, ground and pound him, top control. Really, really impressive stuff for Ludovic Klein over Ignacio Bahamundes. I still think Bahamundes is going to be a real contender later. He's just so young and inexperienced, and Klein was a little bit too much of a step up for him, very clearly, is what we saw. But yeah. Baja Mones, I'm really high on this kid. I think he's going to be really good. Big win for Ludovic Klein, too. That's a tough out for anybody, and he did a great job. So he got the UD in that one at 155 pounds. All right. Moving into our first round of game fighter of the night, we had Tanner Bozer versus Alexa Kamer. Alexa being the uh, sparring partner and training partner of Stipe Miocic was kind of his big claim to fame <laughs> early when coming in. But he made a great uh, outing for himself last night, both him and Tanner. Tanner would land a couple leg kicks, and then Alexa would land a leg kick, and then Tanner would hit him with a jab, and then Alexa would hit him with a jab, and then fucking Tanner would push him up against the cage, and Alexa would reverse it. It was a really back-and-forth fight, super-duper high-technique stuff. Um, I really like when they just opened up APB and they would just beat the shit out of each other. We had a few moments of that in there. That was really fun. But, yeah, Tanner Bozer uh, got the decision in that one. But, again, very close, good, well-matched, competitive fight. Uh, and I really, really enjoyed it. So big shout-out to Tanner Bozer, Rhino Gang, Gang, Gang. All right. Moving into our ninth fight, we had Gavin Tucker versus Diego Lopez. Now, <laughs> dude, we didn't have to wait long for this one, as we like to say around here. But there's a quick submission. Diego Lopez, again, uh, he's been very impressive since his, his UFC debut. And Gavin Tucker's a longtime you know, UFC veteran. And, dude, Diego Lopez slapped on that beautiful – uh, arm triangle, triangle arm bar, and got the submission. I don't think it was like a minute, minute and a half into the first round. I mean, we didn't have to wait long. Diego Lopez, super impressive win and big submission last night. All right. Moving into uh, this one bummed me out a little bit because I like Dustin Jacoby, but I love Kennedy and Zetchko, mm-hmm. dude. Yeah, I talked about him way back when I did an interview with um, Bloody Elbow, and I just, he's such an impressive young man, and not just for the fighting, but for the fact that he took care of his mom for as long as he did. And he was trying to balance fighting with, you know, school and with taking care of her. Like, what an incredible human being, and I really, really like him. And uh, I thought this was going to be a banger back-and-forth fight, and it was when it started, 
You know, they both had some early moments in the exchanges, but then Dustin just plants his feet, throws a really hard cross, hurts Kennedy bad, knocks him down. Then Dustin kind of, you know, he doesn't jump on him like GMP style, but kind of hovers over him, lands a few more hammer fists and straight shots, and uh, finishes Kennedy again, like a minute, minute and a half, two minutes into the first round. So Dustin Jacoby, huge win over a very hot prospect at 205, Kennedy and Zetskwu. But we still ride with you, Kennedy. I'm still a fan, broski. I can't wait for you to come back and, uh, Get a win in your next one, my dude. All right. Oh, APB, let's savor this next one for a moment, shall we? Yes, let's. Our girl, Tatiana Suarez, both of our favorite 115-pound fighter, facing the very tough former champion, uh, Jessica Andrade, who's fought up at 135 pounds at 125 and also 115. Tatiana Suarez, I'm just going to swoon for a moment. Tatiana Suarez, first of all, she comes out there. She shows that she can, she can strike. She can strike with anybody. She looked clean on her feet. She looked good. But then she's like, all right, I showed a little bit of my jabs and one-twos and uh, hooks. I'm going to go ahead and take her down, which she did. And then just, you know, I had top control for the whole first rest of the first round. And then the second round, she's like, you know, I've had enough for tonight. I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to hang out with my friends. I'm ready to, you know, kind of relax a little bit. Cash so my check. She, yeah, that's right. Make that money, girl. Get your bag. So Tatiana Suarez take Jessica Andrade down again. Slaps on the gilly. Gets a submission in the second. I mean... Oh, we love watching if, her is like it's like watching art, like watching her fight. It's like a beautiful dance that she does. She if you were to incredible. see if you were to see APB and I watching Tatiana Suarez, <laughs> it would be like the gif of Patrick from SpongeBob with the eyeballs just glowing <laughs> red hearts. That's what it's like when you and I watch her because we love her so much. Yeah. And again, an, an amazing performance against a really tough fighter. Uh, a former uh, champion at yeah. that. And yeah. she made it look easy. And and Jessica is <laughs> still very good. And I'm so excited because she won by guillotine, which I picked her to win by guillotine. I picked her to win in the first round by guillotine, but the second round, that's that's good enough because we got to watch great, her a little longer. She took no damage. Great prediction. Yeah. She took yeah. no damage. I can't wait for her to come back. Who do you want to see her against? Well, we actually have a question about that in the Rhino Gang Q&A, so we'll, we'll, we'll put that on pause for right now, but I will definitely answer that one. All right. So uh, let's get into our main event. Okay, and I'm going to preface everything by saying this. I don't hate grappling. I don't. I like grappling. I think grappling is cool. I think it's a cool part of MMA. Um, what I don't like is this. <laughs> okay, so like Rob Font and Corey Sanhagen are going in for, for, the, uh, for the contest last night. It was a catchweight of 140. They're both typically 135-pounders, but Rob had to take the fight on relatively short notice. He had to switch opponents, all that stuff. Corey Sanhagen has showed us over the years he can be a very exciting fighter. Throws some beautiful flying knees, has some nice um, at range kicks and punches. Um, he's kind of a stand-up fighter who also in, incorporates the ground here and there. They both Rob, usually are more stand-up. Yeah, well, Rob Fawn is like 80% stand-up. You know what I mean? He wants to stand and bang and trade. And that's what I thought we were going to get at least I mean, a lot too. of. Yeah, I was so surprised. With the fight last 30 seconds maybe before Corey took Rob down. And then he was on top of him the entire first round. Rob was able to get him off that first time or second time, right? But then as the rounds wore on, every time Corey Sanhagen wanted to take him down, he just had to shoot in and take him down. There was no sprawls. There was no resistance. There was no nothing. Now, Rob did a good job when he was underneath, not taking a bunch of damage or not getting submitted or anything. Not that Corey was really searching for a lot of submissions. But again, there was just no takedown defense, unfortunately. Uh, Corey had no desire to stand up and trade and put on any sort of entertainment value for anybody. He was just like, you know, I'm just going to take him down over and over and over again. 
I'm going to stay on top. And we had to watch 25 minutes of pretty much that. Um, I am a huge Rob Font fan. He is Rhino Gang. He is a great dude, and he's a really fun fighter. Um, I think this next camp really has to have a lot dedicated to takedown defense and to getting up from bottom because now that the blueprint has been seen by all the, all the other fighters, they're going to want to just take Rob down to hold him down. So, yeah, I you know, really hope he kind of shores up that part of his game. Corey Sanhagen, if you want to be a champion, dude, and I, I know he had the, the, what do you say, a tricep or bicep pr- problem or something after I, uh, I'm not saying he's wrong, but he probably did, but you've got to bring more entertainment value than that. That was just so boring. It's fine. And it's great to get takedowns and have top control. You got to do something with it, dude. You got to land shots. You got to look for submissions. You got to be doing something to stay active. I thought Herzog really made some mistakes last night in letting it go on too long on the ground. But again, we've got a question about that. <laughs> right. Okay. Q and a. So I don't go too deep into that, but yeah, Corey Sanhagen, the most clear-cut unanimous decision I think I've ever seen <laughs> as far as a five-round main event. Oh, gosh, that was not a fun one. Okay. So let's go ahead. And, I did not pick well. I don't know. You did APB last? I, did, I went six and six. I did uh, okay. I didn't do great. I, I only cared about Tatiana anyway, so I was oh, 100%. So <laughs> I only really cared about Tanner, Tatiana, and Rob. And uh, Tanner and Tatiana got the dubs, and Rob did not. So... But yeah, dude, after going, what was it, like 10 and 1 or 11 and 1, whatever I did, other one loss last week, to go 6 and 6 was a little bit of <laughs> a little bit of a downswing for me. But we'll see how we bounce back next week. And speaking of, oh, well, first of all, let's get into our drop of the night. There was not a ton to choose from. I'm going to go with Dustin Jacoby over Kennedy and Zetchku with his right cross. It was a beautiful drop. Do you have a different one, APB? No, that was what I picked also. Mm-hmm. All right. So now we have our drops of the night all set. Let's go ahead and get into our picks for next week. UFC Vegas 78. Our first fight is going to be Josh Fremd, Ronald Gang Gang Gang. I've got him beating Jamie Pickett by TKO in the third round. That's TKO three, Josh Fremd over Jamie Pickett. What about you? I have Fremd in round two with the guillotine choke. Gilly, gilly, gilly. All right. Let's go ahead and get Oh, I love Khalil Roundtree. Holy smokes. I'm so stoked he's fighting. <laughs> Dude. So 205 pounds, Khalil Roundtree. I think he's got a clean KO over Chris Dawkins in the round two. Round two, clean KO for Khalil Roundtree over Chris Dawkins. What do you what say you, APB? I have a similar pick. I have Roundtree with a TKO in round two. Excellent. I got AJ Dobson beating Tefan and Jukwi by a unanimous decision. I think this would be a very close back and forth fight with a lot of fun. But again, I got AJ Dobson beating Tefan and Jukwi by unanimous decision. What about you? I have Dobson with the rear naked choke in round one. Ooh, quick finish. All right. Pollyanna Viana versus Isamin Lucindo. I got Viana beating Lucindo by unanimous decision in that one. What's your call on that one, APB? I have Viana with an arm bar in round one. A finish? So rare for you. <laughs> and then let's get into OG, man. Cub Swanson versus Hakeem Dawadu. Mean Hakeem, as they call him, because it was mean mugging that he does all the time with his facial expressions. I think Cub Swanson is going to, you know, put throw back the clock a little bit. I got Cub Swanson beating Hakeem Dawadu by a late TKO in the third round. So that's TKO three for Cub Swanson. What's your call on that one? Um, I have Swanson with a Darsh choke in round two. Oh, nice. All right, let's get into our main event. We got Vincente Luque after a long layoff. Fighting against, God, the proverbial, like, forever long, top-tier guy, both at 155 and 170, Rafael Dos Anjos, RDA as he's known. I got Vincente Luque winning by, and I mean APB, 
a most razor of razor close decisions. <laughs> Probably even a split decision. Vincente Luque over RDA in that one after five. What about you? Well, I have Luque with the TKO knees and punches in round three. Excellent. All right. That's going to be our picks for UFC Vegas 78. Let's go ahead and get our Q&A with some members of the Rhino Gang. And our first one comes from the big homie, Jim Asun. Jim, what do you got for us this week, dude? What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? <laughs> <laughs> wow. What a performance from Tatiana. <laughs> 11 and 0 now. <laughs> What's next for her? Title shot isn't out of the question. What's your thoughts? You kids know it's always 420. APB, I expect to see you say this online with a joint in your mouth. Okay, I'm not going to be online because I have poison ivy and I'm on steroids and I'm puffy. But I did roll up uh, an OG for you. That's what it's called. It's it's triple OG. So. Oh, okay. Well, I did have a prop. That's apropos. And yes, we could all hear that was in your mouth at that time, <laughs> which I knew the context, but the listeners didn't yet, which was making me laugh so hard about that. It was so funny. <laughs> but uh, yeah, dude, I'd like to see Tatiana take on Yan Shonan next, dude. The winner of that one should probably face the winner of Weili Zhang versus Amanda Lemos, who are fighting for the title at 115 pounds, I believe August 19th, I think. So a couple weeks from now. So yeah, dude, I think um, I think Lemos is going to get worked by Wiley Zhang, right? And then I think I think Yan Shonan and Tatiana Suarez should fight for the number one contender spot. And then I I believe and hope that Tatiana wins that fight and then gets to take on uh, Wang Zhe Li for the title at 115. I don't know, maybe like six months from now or something. So yeah, that's kind of how I'm hoping the 115 plays out because yeah, Tatiana Suarez, I mean, she could probably fight for the title now. I mean, I know that the, the title's going on the line in two weeks, but like the next fight, maybe. I would like to see her get, a, you know, one more and against the top, you know, the number one or number two rank in Yan Shonan. So, yeah, let's get her to be able to pass that test and then we can get into the title shot talk. And then, yeah, dude, I think Lemos is getting worked by Wei Lee. And so let's have Wei Lee and Tatiana fight a little bit later on in 2023. I would be super stoked on that. And then I don't, I'm not going to, speculate about what will happen yet i don't have to do that yet <laughs> i'm just gonna say i want her to get that title shot then we'll talk about it later but yeah og great question and thank you for making apb use a prop uh for that <laughs> one that was really funny and awesome so thank you my friend all right let's get it her over the motorcycle riding man in the dean dog the newly bionic dean dog yeah dean dog. i hope you're feeling okay dean we are all we are all hoping that same thing, Dean. We hope you're healing up, dude, and we appreciate the question. What do you have for us this week on my motorcycle ride, Madman Broski? Dean says, not often in the UFC do we get two weeks in a row main events fighting for the BMF belt. One for the baddest motherfucker. This week was for the boringest motherfucker. <laughs> My question is, and be honest, although effective, <clears throat> what's your opinion on the lay and pray fights doing just enough? To not get stood up. Thanks always. Peace. Well, thank you for asking the question, Dean. And as I've already done twice on this show, I have mentioned I do not hate grappling. I am not a guy in the front row with the just bleed painted on my body. <laughs> like, stand him up after two seconds. That's not me. However, as, as, as a pro fighter myself, with, you know, I have a, a striking background, as a fan who loves MMA for the striking first and the grappling second. I fucking hate it, dude. <laughs> like, I've really grown in my appreciation for the grappling aspects of MMA over the last decade or so. But, dude, you are absolutely right. When there's little to no damage being done, 
by the guy on top and little to no submission attempts being done by the guy on top. It really sucks to watch. I know that there could be the argument of, well, don't get taken down then. You got to work your way out. Like, I, we've all heard that a thousand times. And there's truth to that. I get that. However, if you are on top and you are not doing significant damage or looking for submissions and you are basically just trying to maintain top control and then change your position and the guy underneath you isn't letting you change position, what are we watching, APB? We're watching just two dudes essentially laying there. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're both like looking for different levers and, you know, um, ways to move around, but there's just not much action happening and it sucked. And I don't think Corey Sandhagen's probably stoked on his performance last night. No, I he wasn't. He apologized. Yeah, yeah. And I am certain that Rob Font is not stoked on his, his you know, his uh, performance from last night. But again, who really loses in that of we did? <laughs> so I do think there should be some sort of, and it doesn't have to be like an official time, right? But I would love to be there. Some sort of like internal clock uh, via the referee, like give them 90 seconds, maybe, you know, two minutes. If nothing is going on except for that, stand them up, dude, or at least give them a hard warning. Like, Hey, if you got to do, you don't do something. I'm going to stand you up. Like we've seen many, many times, but no, last night just sucked. And I really, really, I don't like to say that. I hope we don't have to endure that anymore. And so, yeah, dude, that's, that's my answer. on That one, D dog, honest as I can be full disclosure. So thank you very much, my friend. Oh, I lost my place. Oh, there we go. Our next question comes from our homie from up in Canada way, the Rage of Sweet Potato. RSP, what do you got for us this week, my dude? RSP says, not counting those ridiculous exhibition matches on tough, mixed martial arts fights only come in two varieties, three five-minute rounds or five five-minute rounds, both of which use only four-ounce gloves. Boxing matches, however, come in all sorts of varieties, six rounds, eight rounds, 10 rounds, 12 rounds, with boxing glove sizes ranging from 10 ounces to 16 ounces. Why is boxing so consistently inconsistent, and do you think that it may be detrimental to its overall popularity? So I'm really glad you asked this question, my dude, because I'm sure there are other people out there listening who don't know how this works or why things are the way they are in boxing, and I'm happy to uh, shed a little light on this. So the reason that there are four, like if we're talking about, we're just talking about the pro game here, right? The the reason that in, in the pro fighting ranks there are only four, six, eight, and ten rounds, and you don't actually you don't fight twelve rounders until you, there's a title on the line, okay? So four rounders are usually just to get your feet wet in the pro game because in the Amies you have three two minute rounds. That's how amateur fighting works. But once you get to the pros, you have four three minute rounds. That's the lowest fight you could take, and then you work your way up. Once you've had a few fours. Usually work your way up to a six. After you have a few sixes, you work your way up to an eight, and then so on and so forth. Like so, it's a natural progression. So it's not just, you know, let's do a four, let's do a six. No, no, no. You're trying to get up to ten rounders, but you know, you got to take those steps because you can't just get thrown in and be like, all right, my first pro fight, I'm gonna do a ten rounder because you just you don't know how to pace yourself, you don't know how to endure that kind of punishment for that amount of time. So yeah, it's it's really it's building your career from that point. Um, as far as like. And also, too, you want to have more fights on your card. You can't put six boxing matches, all 10 or 12 rounders, right? Because, like, theoretically, you could be there for hours and hours extra. So you want to put a card on with several fours, a couple sixes, a few eights. You know what I mean? So you're doing it for time constraint as well. So those are a couple reasons on that. When you get to the ounces of the fighting, pro fighting, um, the boxing gloves, you're going to find mostly eights for the lower weight classes and mostly tens. For the upper weight classes, I only ever fought with 10s my whole career as heavyweight. Um, and then the smaller guys fought with 8 ounces. Now, that's really just kind of for fighter safety and progression, right? Because if 
if two big guys like me and whoever I was fighting, we were fighting with eights, you're far more likely to, you know, hurt or cut or knock out somebody um, with a shot that maybe wasn't even intended for that. That two extra ounces for being bigger, it just kind of, I don't know. I think it's a it's a little bit safer. I'm not saying it's safe by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a little bit safer and it cause you know it has a little bit more of a layer of protection. And then because the smaller weight classes don't pack as much power, you're going to be able to you know have longer, more withstand you know uh, longer fights with the lower with the lower uh, ounces in your gloves. So that's really how that one works, dude. So there are plenty of and then when you train, you usually got 14s or 16s on, right? Either for sparring or for hitting the bags. 14s and 16s. Most common you're going to see. I used to spar with 20s. So, like, because I had a lot of people who were smaller and I didn't want to hit anybody, like, you know, hard with like a 12 ounce glove on who is smaller than me. That's a dick move. So, yeah, I would always wear these big old puffy 20s. And that was really, uh, seemed to kind of make things a little bit more even, Steven, in there. As far as like, do I think it's detrimental to the sport? No, it's been this way for a long time. I see boxing still growing, you know, exponentially, especially with the bigger fights year after year. So, no, I don't think it really takes away from the, um, you know, it takes away from the excitement or the fun uh, of boxing. And there's plenty for us to bitch about when it comes to boxing that I would like to see change. I just don't think that one's on the list. At least I don't hear about it much. So, RSP, what a great question, my dude. Thank you, sir. All right, let's get our home with the Juicy Fruit Bebe from Friendly Sparring Park. Juice, what do you got for us this week, dude? Juice says, question for the show. As you know, I'm a casual when it comes to boxing. That said, most of the content I consume that covers boxing often debate who's the face of boxing. Who is that, in your opinion? Could be multiple answers. Same question for MMA. Yeah, dude, it's a tough question, and you're right. It's You ask five people, you're probably going to get five different answers. So I really kind of condensed it. So, like, Canelo is probably the, one of the most popular and well-known fighters in the world. Um, Terrence Crawford, is, especially after his last wedding against Errol Spence, he's widely considered the best. But, you know, I don't know if he has the same level of fanfare as Canelo does. Tyson Fury, you know, he's known as the lineal heavyweight champion of the world, which in a lot of corners of the world is considered the baddest man on the planet. Um, Naonya Inui is a fantastic fighter out of Japan. A lot of people don't know who don't follow boxing. And uh, Naoya is a – you want to talk about, like, if you were to create somebody like a small weight class guy in a lab, that's who you want. He is that good. He is that impressive. Alexander Usyk. Uh, he's another one, Loma Lomachenko. A lot of people just call him Loma, Vasily Lomachenko. There are a lot of really high level, the Charlo twins. There are really high level fighters in all corners of the world. I just don't see any one kind of standing out as that's the one that the whole world knows is the best. You know what I'm saying? I think there's a lot of regionality, like hyper regional people who are really, really high on, let's say, like in the UK, it's probably Tyson Fury, right? And you talk about in Mexico, and maybe some other parts of Latin America, it's Canelo Alvarez. In Japan, it's Inui. In the Ukraine, it's Usyk or Lomachenko. So, yeah, I don't think there's like a face of boxing right now, whereas other parts of you know time there has been. I just don't see there being one right now. And maybe that's just because you know because of the internet and because of the world being smaller as far as like information. I think everybody kind of has, you know, whoever's like the closest to them. That's usually who they root for and who really is the. Uh, the person that stands out is boxing's face for them. So, yeah, I don't have one. I think five or six probably going to be how I'm going to answer that one. So, Juicy Fruit, baby, great question as always, my dude. I love when you do boxing. It's so fun. <laughs> so, that is going to be the end of our write-in questions. So, APB, let's go ahead and get into our 10 rounds of Rhino with 6-1 LFA flyweight Kevin Little Dragon Fernandez 
after a quick word from our sponsor, KR Designs. Hey, Rhino Gang, are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? Well, look no further than my good friends at KR Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. Ah, oh, fight fam, we got ourselves another fantastic guest going 10 rounds around this week. Six and one, rising star of the LFA Flyweight Division, Kevin Lil Dragon Fernandez is in the house. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today, sir. Hey guys, what's up? How you doing? Dude, super stoked to have you on, my friend. Um, so basically, Kevin, round one with Rhino is always the same. I love getting the origin story. How'd you first get involved in this crazy, wacky world of MMA, my dude? Uh, well, I've always been a fan of martial arts, you know, growing up, watching the Ninja Turtles and watching shit like Jackie Chan and all that kind of stuff, Bruce Lee. And my grandfather was a professional boxer, so I've always liked fighting and stuff like that. I always wanted to be a fighter, so uh, I dabbled in boxing when I was a kid. There's a local gym around here called Texas Golden Gloves over here in Fort Worth. It's been here for a long time. And I uh, I messed around with it a few times when I was like nine. Another time when I was like 13, I went there. But it was nothing serious. It was just for like a month, just going, hitting the bags. But I always like trained in my backyard. And I finally uh, found my gym with Coach Derwin Lamb when I was like 15 years old. And that's when I really started training. And that's, that's what I started with MMA when I was 15. Very cool, my dude. Now, your last scrap was just a few weeks ago at LFA 163 when you got a beautiful arm triangle choke over Javier Cepeda in round one. I mean, I know it's only three weeks out, dude, four weeks out from the last fight, but do you have any timetable when you'd like to get back in there? Are you in talks for anything? Do you have any idea or just kind of like, hey, I'm just going to go back to training and we'll see what happens next? Uh, well, what I'm waiting on, honestly, is I'd like to try to get into Dana White's Contender Series September 12th. Uh, I don't know if they're booked for that, but I'm just aiming to see if you never know. I might get that call to step in short notice, or if not, I'd like to, I'd like to try to get a title shot for LFA, but I, who knows when that could happen. Sure. Oh, those are both badass options, dude. I'd love to see you on DWCS. Now, going back to your AMI days and into your pro career, you've got a ton of wins by various chokes, dude. So, so your submission, your stand-up is very good, and we all know that when you watch. But I think you're a little underrated on how good your submission game is. Uh, when did you kind of pick up submissions? Like, when was you realize, hey, jujitsu and subbing people out is something I'm good at? When did that kind of uh, take place when you were learning uh, your jujitsu techniques? 
Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, when I was um, actually when I first started training, I, I started at my MMA gym, 15 years old, and just two months into training, I had my first grappling tournament and I won third place. I had that same tournament a year later and I got first place. I've always kind of been uh, natural with the grappling, I suppose. And lately, I've just been working really hard in the gym with my new coach, Charlie Blanchard. And I, I feel like I've been getting better. Well, it's certainly paying off because, again, against Javier Cepeda, just like 4 415 or 4 whatever it was in the round one, pulled off that beautiful uh, arm triangle choke, dude. That was so slick. So, dude, Lil Dragon, my dude, where where do you get that nickname? What's the story behind it? I'm really, really interested about the Lil Dragon nickname that you got. My, my coach, Derwin Lamb, he uh, he's been training me since I was 15, and he's a he comes from a traditional martial arts background. Um, I think he said the name, the nickname actually was his and was passed down by his uncle. I know uh, Bruce Lee also had that nickname, and uh, he had belted me in a black belt under his striking system, the Lamb striking system, and he that's when he gave me that nickname. It was about, I'd say, it it was just before I turned pro. Okay, dude. Now, you're just 23 years old, but you've already got a really nice resume under your belt with uh, six amateur wins, including three Muay Thai bouts. You know, you're 6-1 as a pro. Let's just look at the future, dude. And I know it's 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 kind of fun to do that. It's kind of fun to have kind of your vision board up there and kind of have things you look forward to. But let's just say, you know, let's fast forward three years from now. Where would you think that Kevin Little Dragon Fernandez is going to be in his career three years from now. So you're 23 now. Let's say by the time you're 26, what do you like to see happening? Uh, by the time I'm 26, I'd like to be in the title contentions in the UFC top five, at least, if not already with a belt. Um, I know that's a lot in a short amount of time, but I, I'd like to at least be a well-spoken, like like a well-known name in, in MMA, being in the USB, in the UFC specifically. Definitely, my dude. That's a badass goal. I love it. Um, do you see ever moving up to 135? Have you dabbled with that? I mean, you're a very young guy, and I'm sure you've heard from some of the OGs in your gym, your coaches probably, that as we get older, it gets harder and harder to cut weight. Do you see yourself ever moving to 135, or do you think it's going to be uh, 125 home, you know, as your home for your whole MMA career, my dude? Um, I do see 135 in the future, but I feel like I can keep 125 for most of my career and maybe just finish it off with a couple 35 fights got you brother so yeah because when you watch a fight i mean you're never really outsized at 125 you usually got you know you got a good height on you got a good reach um it just you know when we're in our early 20s it just seems so much easier to cut weight dude then when you get older it's like fuck that last eight nine pounds is just so much harder to get off so yeah i'd love to see uh that move up to 35 later on in your career so we got to have balance kevin when we come to you know we gotta we love fighting i was a professional fighter for a really long time you've been a professional fighter for a while but we got to find balance we got to find time away from the gym away from training away from watching film what are some things that little dragon likes to do just away from all that to kind of chill out enjoy yourself relax what are some things you like to do uh as far as that goes well i just like to spend time with family you know i'm really most of the time i'm in my house i'll just be um watching tv or maybe playing some video games if not i'm spending time with my little cousins or my little sisters i'll bring them over and just hang out with them or take them out and stuff like that 
Dude, it has been so hot, not just across America, but specifically yes, specifically in Texas where you are from. I've yeah. got to imagine, dude, that you know, inside activities are probably the uh the priority these days. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, sir. I just man, I just went out to the to the lake a few days ago with my little sisters and my girl. And man, we all came back sunburned, dude. It was, it was bad. That <laughs> brutal, dude. Like I know here in Detroit how hot it's been, how humid it's been. It's just been gnarly. And then like you see it on the news or on Twitter or whatever, you know, well over a hundred degrees for you know 30, 40 days in a row in Texas. I'm like, nope, no can do, my friend. It's already hot enough. <laughs> so, dude, here's a question for you. And I know again, I'd already prefaced it a couple of times, but you're a real young guy. But I mean, we you know. Let's just put ourselves in the mindset of let's say there is a world where we could fight, but we can't make money fighting. So all of us who are pro fighters, we got to do something else, something different in the career world. If that was the case, what do you think you'd be doing? Like, what are you interested in other than uh, fighting? Um, a lot of things, man. Uh, I like, I like, um, I've always liked like movies and books and music and art stuff like that so maybe i'd mess around try to get with some some of that stuff i don't know bro honestly i'm I'm glad i got fighting because well sure uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps us out of trouble it keeps us good you know keeps our passions growing but yeah maybe maybe we'll get a movie directed by kevin fernandez down the road or something like that that'd be pretty fucking dope um so so we talked about weight cutting a little bit earlier we talked about weight divisions Food is is one of the things that brings us all together, my man. Now, we all have to cut weight. It's a shitty part of, you know, the fight game, but it's what has to be done. Put yourself in, like, in the mind frame of, oh, I've already won the fight. You're already post-fight. You're out with your friends, your family, your girl, your teammates, and you really get to throw down on whatever grub you want to, like, truly indulge. What do you want to get? Where do you want to get it from, my friend? Bro, you could ask that question to anybody or anybody that knows me, and they'll tell you pizza. It's like so obvious. <laughs> I'm always wanting pizza, especially like right after the fight. That's what I. That's what I need, dude. But it just it feels like it never fucking happens. Like I never get the pizza right after the fight. We always got to go to some other shitty ass restaurant or something that's <laughs> available. You know, like this past fight. That's what I wanted. I'm like, pizza, pizza. And they're like, oh, there's no pizza nearby. We And then we ended up going to some fucking Mexican restaurant. I'm like, bro, I'm Mexican. I eat Mexican food all the fucking time. I don't need to go to a Mexican restaurant. It's pizza but time, dude. We, we go we go to a Mexican <laughs> restaurant and then whatever, it's pretty shitty. Next thing you know, we, we go back to the hotel. When I'm getting to the hotel, all, all the fighters and a bunch of people are, are like having a fucking party in the lobby. And then... I see a, a Domino's delivery guy walking up to the building. Oh. I'm like, bro, we could have just ordered pizza to the venue <laughs> and ate it there or something. Like, y'all didn't say I would have settled for Domino's. They said there was no pizza nearby. I'm like, bro, bunch of haters around you, man. Pizza haters, I say. Bro. So yeah, we got a big. So that should be a priority. You should put somebody in charge of that for the next scrap. Be like, look, this is not. I'm not playing around here. Seriously, I want I want pizza scouted out. I want to make sure it's going to be open. I want to make sure we can get our shit right after the fight. And we're getting some pizza. I, I demand <laughs> Little Dragon 
gets his pizza after his next fight. Okay, I'm I'm making this. We're gonna manifest this. We're gonna make this happen, Kevin. This is fucking happening, my dude. So, my friend, we have careened our way into the tenth round, which is just the easiest round of them all. Just share your social medias with this dude. So, me, all my homies in the Rhino game, we can all follow you along in your career moving forward. Keep tabs on you, and I'll get on that train and be uh, you know new fans of, of the of little dragon Fernandez. Just share your social medias with us, dude. Appreciate you. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Kevin Fernandez MMA. I also have a Facebook page that you can find by looking up Kevin Fernandez MMA. And I'm not very active on Twitter, but you can follow me on Twitter, please, at Lil Dragon MMA. Absolutely. So, fight, oh, of course, my dude. So, fight fam for real. We all know how many awesome prospects I've had on early in their career. They turn out to be, you know, really, really good um, high-level MMA fighters. And I really see the same kind of talent in this kid, Kevin Little Dragon Fernandez. I really think he's got all the tools to become a superstar at 125 pounds. Let's all check him out. Let's follow him on social media. And, dude, we cannot wait for your next scrap inside the cage, whether that's the LFA, DWCS, or wherever it may be, my dude. So just really best of luck and best of skill moving forward. We really appreciate you taking the time to go out with uh, 10 rounds of Rhino today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is Kevin Little Dragon Fernandez, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Kevin, that was awesome, dude. We really, really appreciate you taking the time. That was a lot of fun, and we are super stoked. And, yes, I'm going to try to make sure that you get pizza after your next fight. No more bullshit. You need pizza, my dude. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and give a shout-out to the outro to our foreign contributors, to Jim Asun, the OG, and thank you for making APB have to do a prop on that. <laughs> and she gets, you know, she gets to get a little high today, which is awesome for her. <laughs> and let's go to our homie Dean Dog again, Dean, both APB and everybody else in the crew. We're all so glad you got through your surgery and you're feeling better and you're on the mend. We love you, broski. We appreciate you. Thank you, Dean. To the Rage of Sweet Potato for that very fun cool question about boxing from you today, my dude. To the Juicy Fruit Baby, make sure you check Juice out at the Friendly Sparring Pod. Juicy Fruit Baby is always a fun time over there. To APB, the co-host with the mo-host. To Miss Fight Diva. To Tori. To Fabian the Man of Mayhem. To my PRG homie Steffi, Gina, and Shannon. To Cyrus King. To Tom and Sandy. To Ashley the MMA Nerd. To Mike Morgan and Chisanga. To Leslie, our homie Treble. Kairos. Jessica, Ty the Fly Guy, Jillian, Jason, and Chrissy, my underdog MMA peeps, to the Filthy Casual, to Brat, Hunter, and Dylan, my 24 FC homies, my Rhino Gang fam, who are the absolute best. I love all you guys so very much. To the Future Play Andrea. To, oh, Future Play Andrea, you a little bit jealous that I get to go to Lions? Uh, I get to go to Lions Camp on Wednesday? Oh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. I'll take pictures. To D. Reigns, who's probably also a little bit jealous. D. Reigns is a big Lions fan, too. To D. Reigns, the best engineer in the biz. To J at JMMA4 on Twitter and at JMMA on YouTube. Make sure you check out his content. He is awesome. He's cooking up another beautiful poster for um, for Kevin Fernandez this week. It's going to be awesome. So, I dude, everybody out there, I hope you guys have a good week. Again, it is so hot in so many places. Get out of the sun. Get in the air conditioning. Get in the water. You know, spend some time with your friends and your family. You know, just try to have a good summer's coming to a close pretty soon. Let's try to enjoy it while we can. Uh, you know how much we love all you guys, as we love to say around here. Love is greater than hate. And we will see you next week. Gage Side!